I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. LA, do not miss the upcoming Steel Wars live podcast, May the 26th. Make sure you have your tickets for our solo reaction panel at the Scum and Villainy Cantina in Hollywood, California. The Saturday after the release of the solo standalone film, we'll be breaking it down. Tickets are available at steelwars.com forward slash live. Just check the link in your show notes. What's up, guys? Welcome to Strathers Wars. I am Eric Strathers, and I do love Steel Wars. In each episode, I find a Patreon supporter to talk about it with. In this episode, I talk to Miss Emily Lind, also known as Lindo. She's appeared on several call-in shows, not only as a caller, but also as the guest host. She was on episode 110. She is Steele's first international listener. And she also hosts the Canto Bite Dispatch podcast with Brittany Brown, who was on a previous episode of Strathers Wars. That's a fantastic podcast. You should definitely give it a listen. Canto Bite Dispatch, I mean. But also that other episode of Strathers Wars was great, too. But hey, enough of that. Let's just get into it. Well, hey, Emily, I really appreciate you doing this. These are a lot of fun. And, you know, you're sort of the special case. You've actually been an interview subject on Steel Wars, one of my most favorite episodes. I noticed you didn't uh-huh. include that episode on this list that you gave me, but that's okay. Oh, there was no way because then I would have to listen to myself. <laughs> I believe me, I get it. I do get it. That's one of the worst parts about podcasting is editing and listening to yourself. I don't know if you've known this, but sometimes I tend to be pretty hard on myself when I'm <laughs> listening back to what I said. But so before we jump into this, we are recording this just a few short weeks after Steele interviewed one Ben Mendelson, which this shows up on your list. And it does. You got something special in the mail, yeah. Yeah, actually, this worked out being really good timing because I was sitting at my desk at work today and somebody came in to hand me some of my mail and I noticed that I had an envelope from Steel Saunders and I thought, oh, that's weird. I haven't I haven't ordered any shirts or stickers or anything. And Steel had sent me the um, Rogue One comic variant cover of the sort of like the they did variant covers of vintage like Kenner looking action figures and this one is Krennic and this one in particular is autographed by Ben Mendelssohn 
And who did he make it out to? It's made out to Lindo. Yay! <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I'm so super jealous. And my mind sort of exploded, and I just sat there at my desk, staring at it. And first silently freaking out, and then, <laughs> and then, and then calling my podcast part in crime, Brittany, and vocally freaking out. I bet. So do you have a velvet pillow for it to sleep on <laughs> whenever you sleep? It did literally as soon as I came home, the first thing I did was put it in a frame. Because actually, I had a non-autographed version of this comic already up in a frame in my in my apartment. So that got switched out. <laughs> I bet so. Oh, that's super cool. Oh my god, it's... Ugh. It's the coolest thing, and it also it just the the fact that 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 Steele would even like it would even occur to him to do that was 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 very sweet. He's a pretty good dude. He is a pretty good dude. But hey, we'll we'll get into more of that in a minute. Oh man, I'm so jealous. So tell me, what is Steele asks all of his guests this? What is your earliest memory? of Star Wars. Have you been a fan since the day you were born? I mean, probably not since the day I was born. Um, I was born in 83. And so I saw, I was probably like six or seven when I first saw Star Wars. And really, I don't, I don't remember seeing Star Wars for the first time. I remember seeing Empire for the first time because I remember the no, I am your father, and my little like six or seven year old brain exploding because that wasn't possible. <laughs> and then like <laughs> freaking out to my dad about it while he's just sitting on his computer being like, yeah, uh huh. But yeah, so then it was just sort of part of my existence from then on. So at this stage, what would you consider to be your favorite Star Wars movie? Um, I have a feeling after, like, in a couple of years, it might be The Last Jedi. But right now, it's, it's probably actually The Force Awakens, just in terms of the affection that I have for it and... And what that movie made me feel. I totally get it. A hundred percent. Because that was, that was Star Wars coming back. Yeah. That, that movie really resonates with me. And the last Jedi does too. I consider it currently to be my favorite, but that's, that's so, that's so subjective. I like all the movies for different reasons, I guess. That's kind of a cop out to say. Well, so you have the distinct honor of being Steele's very first international listener, m- meaning that, you know, when he, before he fled his home country and moved to the sweet, <laughs> the sweet golden, golden land that is Los Angeles. So you were the first one outside of Australia. And tell us how that came about. How did you find him? And what did you think whenever you very first listened to him? All right, so 
this would start with an American comedy podcast called Walk in the Room, which no longer exists, but it was hosted by Greg Barrett, who's a comedian I, I love. Um, he also writes uh, books. He wrote He's Just Not That Into You and some other stuff. He's a really good guy. And he did it with uh, Dave Anthony, who actually hosts The Dollop, which is a super popular now. But anyway, Walk in the Room sort of became friends with these Australian podcasters, Will Anderson and Charlie Clawson, who do a show called Tofop. And they had them on as guests, and they had uh, another Australian comedian, Justin Hamilton, on as a guest. And I really liked both of them. And I had started listening to their podcasts. And on Twitter, this would have been, I mean, like five years ago now, I guess, something like that. I saw that both Justin and Will were on this podcast called I Love Green Guide Letters. And I, I sort of read the description of it and thought, well, that sounds really weird. And I won't understand any of it. <laughs> but I listened to it. And it was so funny. And I immediately liked Steele's whole vibe. I thought, like, once I actually listened to it, I thought the show was brilliant. I mean, it's people, they're, they're commenting on letters that people write in generally with complaints to the Australian equivalent of TV Guide. And it just, like, instantly became, I'm going to listen to this every week, you know. I listened to all the back episodes. Totally loved it. So good. And because I'm somebody who, I mean, obviously, because I'm doing this, like, when I like something, I'm very enthusiastic about it. And I like to talk about it. And I like to, like, tell people, hey, I like this thing you did. And Twitter makes it very easy to tell people, hey, I like this thing you did. So, you know, I'd, I, I reached out to, to Steele and, like, some of his guests on, on Twitter and sort of through Steele found, like, you know, dozens of other Australian comedians who I really liked and other podcasts. And then, of course, eventually he I heard, like, he was starting up his Star Wars podcast. So I was, I was into Steel Wars from day one before it was even called Steel Wars. That's Back pretty crazy. Was, this isn't the podcast you're looking for? Now, I saw on a tweet from Yak Face today, it's a sticker that has the Steel Wars logo, but in the middle says, this isn't the podcast you're looking for. And I thought, I don't have one of those. What is going on? Where did this come from? So, yeah, do you have one? I don't have one. I didn't even know there was a, a sticker with that on it because I thought that, I mean, I thought all the stickers came after that. I, I Well, I think it's, I think it might be new. I'm wondering if it's like okay. a, something he's working on because it does have the full-on Steel Wars logo. It's sort of like if you think of The Last Jedi where it's Star Wars with the words The Last Jedi in between. It sort of looked like that. And uh, the Steel Wars, and then this isn't the podcast you're looking for. And I was like, oh, got to find that. But <laughs> you got to so, find it. Like, 
<laughs> Isn't finding that just saying, like, hey, Steele, can I buy this sticker from you? I was trying to make it sound more dramatic, really. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the hunt, the hunt for the elusive Steel Wars sticker. So, okay. Going to all the sticker stores. Yeah, yeah. I'm c- calling all my sticker connections. Hey, man, I know a guy that knows a guy. But uh, I'm looking for this sticker. I've got this Have You Seen Him shirt that's a picture of that sticker in there. And I'm trying to find it. Oh, that fell flat. <laughs> Poor me. <laughs> but, but okay. All right. So anyway, so since day one, you've been listening to this show. Do you have an episode that you could say, without a doubt, is your favorite? Um. Well, okay. I mean, there, there's two now, because the Ben Mendelsohn one is in its own league. But before before that one happened, I would have to say... And this is actually one of my list. It's it's the one he did with Ash Williams, who is a comedian and all around fascinating individual, who is not really a Star Wars fan or didn't really <laughs> remember much about the movie at all, but he's just purely funny, and he has th- his dynamic with Steel is something really special. At one point, Steele just stops him and he goes, okay, I want, I want you to tell me what you think happens in Star Wars. I've, I've got an idea for something we can do. Explain to me what happens in Star Wars. Oh. <laughs> it's been a while. Like oh, they're can... on a ship. They're on, they're on an airship. Uh, it's flying through the space. Um, everyone's just running around like animals. Darth Vader's running the show. I mean, they're going to go kill Princess Leia and the planet. So then um, Luke Skywalker's mates with Princess Leia, so he wants to stop that. Um, Sounds like a good mate. Is it a good mate of Princess Leia's? No, but like, I'd, if I was going to get killed, I'd, I'd hope you'd come and try and stop it. Definitely. Big call, though. He's up against, you know... Darth Vader and the rest of the crew, um, and they just haven't got the resources that Darth Vader and that have. So good luck. <laughs> so they're in like this little shitty stuff, shitty airships, and they're trying their best. And they've got this guy called Han Solo and Chewbacca, who's full of hair. It's like a big cat that, that walked around on two feet. And then um, they're all they're all banding together. So Han Solo, Chewbacca, Leia, and Skywalker are trying to save the 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 Star Universe from Darth Vader, who's going to just do bad things. So then they they basically fight. Um, Princess Leia loses her universe, Oberon, and um, Alderaan, Alderaan, and then. Oh, geez, I was like thinking, at least I got that right. <laughs> and then, um, what happens at the end? I think I know that they get cut, caught in that um, that pit of like, it looks like a pit of snakes, but it's just a pit of rubbish, and they can't get out or something. It's like a, and she's like, "Help me, over you one, Kenobi. You're our only hope." And I, I never understood what that meant ever. Anyway, she's after help, and I. <laughs> And then Darth Vader just basically 
it keeps going. And then like nothing happens. Like, I don't think anything else happens and it's like the end. Am I close? Close and far. Jeez. Ooh, I'll take it. That's pretty good. <laughs> That's pretty good. Where does Yoda come into it? Uh, Yoda. Wow. It's sort of like hearing hearing my dad try to remember like a movie he saw 10 or 15 years ago. <laughs> like there's some there's some broad strokes that are right and there's some stuff where you just go I don't I don't even understand where that came from. <laughs> I was just thinking about the episode of The Candlelight Dispatch where you interviewed your dad. Oh. <laughs> It may, it really does. There's some really good parallels in there, but but anyway, I I do go on. Let's get let's get to your list here because you got some great stuff. So your first one, first of all, everybody, I just want to point out that Emily presented this list in chronological order of the age of the episodes. So that's pretty yeah. sweet. What? How else would you do it? Well, that's dartboard format, I guess, is what most people tend to do. But, if you have a list, yeah. it needs to be in order, or else the world collapses, basically, I think. <laughs> Believe me, I get it. <laughs> okay, so the first one we, we have here is episode 12 with Justin Hamilton. Tell me, tell me what you loved about it. All right, there's a couple things. There's one, again, like, Justin is is one of the whole reasons that... I even know who Steele is, like partially because I think he's really funny and also partially because I had a little bit of a crush on him. But I think there's a couple things going on. One is I sort of, I just love the way that Hamo views fandom. But also some of my favorite episodes are, are ones like this where it's Steele talking to somebody who he's friends with. You know, it's not, it's not like a serious interview with somebody who was involved with Star Wars some way. It's just it's just a a friend that he has who he knows is also into it. Yeah, this was a really good one. I love the fact that in here you put in all caps, there is swearing. <laughs> and I looked at that just as I said, tell me what you like about this. And I'm like, oh, there's what she likes is all that swearing. That's her favorite. I, I think I've only sworn once so far. Yeah, it's all right. I caught it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, but, I mean, it's, it's not like I've had a bunch of truck drivers call and complain about the language. A bunch of truck drivers and sailors have called wanting you to tone it down with the expletives. But yeah, but in, in one of the one of the things that really struck me when I was I was re-listening to this when when you asked me to do this episode is there's a point, and actually, in when when. When Hemo starts talking about it, he's he's actually talking about Doctor Who, but using it to to draw a broader stroke, and that's this sort of people just not liking stuff and continuing to watch it every single week and just complain about it loudly to everyone who can hear and try to make other people not enjoy it. And that's definitely something that we see a lot in Star Wars. Now it's like, I don't want to talk about it because everyone's just angry. Like, you know, you, as prime example, if you're listening to this and you're uh, one of those people who keeps watching Doctor Who but doesn't enjoy it, 
If you're one of those people, you drive me mental. You know what you do if you don't like something anymore? Stop watching it. Don't watch it. Stop keep, Stop watching it over and over every episode and then talking about how, oh, it makes me really angry. Guess what I did when Scott Snyder started writing Batman? I read a few issues. I didn't think it was bad, but it wasn't for me. Guess what I stopped doing? Reading it. Guess what I don't do? Talk about it. Move I, on. I, I do get that. And on its face value, I agree. But a lot of people that are really into these shows and movies and stuff. How tedious. Yeah, they, they've sort of got a little bit of a, a completist mentality, so they it's hard to break free of that. Yeah, well, grow up. Let it go. <laughs> like, if it's making you that angry, like, you don't hang, like, do you hang out with someone, like, like when you're younger, you, you keep hanging out with that buddy from high school, even though he's a complete dropkick. Mm-hmm. Like, you keep hanging out with him because, you know, you went to high school together. And then one day, you grow up and you go, he's a knob. And I know we laughed in biology in year 11, but that time it's done yeah. and you move on. You don't need to have a complete history of that idiot. So just just move on. What it does is because there's so many people on social media or when you talk to them just complaining about stuff that you can – like that you enjoy, I, I've just – I was telling you earlier, in the last month I've been pretty much off social media and I – like as an example, the new Doctor Who, I've been really enjoying it. I've been really enjoying it. And even if I think there's a bit, oh, I would have done that differently, or I would have done that differently, which is very natural, because I haven't been hearing people just going, oh, yeah, well, this is not like how I would do it. It's, it's meant that I've enjoyed it in a bubble, you know? And, that's, and to tie this all in, I've been doing very little reading about the new Star Wars films because I want to give them the best opportunity to entertain me. And I want to enjoy them. So, I, you know, if I see bits and pieces, I'll have a quick look. But otherwise, I'm staying well away from it because it's, it's not the bits of information they're giving you. It's the people around it going, well, J.J. Abrams, you're in Star Trek. Or, or Harrison Ford's too old. Or oh, this upsets the continuity from that comic that was a one-shot drawn <laughs> and produced by Dark Horse back in 1995. And that's my favourite issue. And now it's not going to me. So, because I, I want to enjoy them. When you just sort of seem to have this rage about everything that they're doing, maybe at some point you just decide to step away. Like, that's what I do when I stop liking TV shows. And I'm not talking like, oh, this was a bad episode. But if there's like a whole season of a show that I really like fills me with ire, then I decide not to watch that TV show anymore. See, that's what a rational person does. <laughs> that's amazing, because that's exactly what I do. You know what? I don't think this is for me anymore. And that's okay. Yeah, you know, and I can, I, I get that n- sometimes not liking something can be fun. But not for an extended period of time. Like, I've watched movies that I really don't like and have had fun just like laying into them with my friends. But that's because it's, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. And then I move on with my life. I don't, I don't then go onto Twitter and what apparently people must do, which is search for people who like that thing and tell them why they're wrong. 
Well, you can't deny that that's sure what it appears is happening. I don't know how else they would explain what's happening besides that. <laughs> but, but you know, no part of that, that whole discussion just sort of encapsulates a lot of why I like Steel Wars and also the community that Steel has built. Like the safe haven on on Facebook, which is still a phrase that I find ridiculous to say, but it really it really <laughs> is like a safe haven because it's people who don't always agree on everything, but have decided we're going to be polite to each other and genuinely like try to be positive most of the time, even when we don't like something. Yeah, that is pretty special, and I feel like we've all said some version of this, but it's. A bit of a bummer, well, not a bit of a bummer, it's quite a bummer, that when we talk about this, we talk about what a relief it is, that that is how it operates. Because the general expectation has become the exact opposite of that. And Yeah. Because something I wondered, you, you, you hit this right on the head, and I, mean, I don't want to hijack the whole episode talking about things I think, but the... <laughs> Ryan Johnson had tweeted about listening to or the score musical score only version of the last Jedi. If you use the movies anywhere app and somebody comments on his thread saying, how do I see the version of the movie that was written and directed by someone else? (laughs) And he handled it like a champ too. He says, well, that's a little tougher. First thing you're going to need to do is take off all your clothes and go stand out in the street. Have you done that yet? And, but it's like, <laughs> if you, if you hate what he's done so much, why are you following him on Twitter? Why are you actively searching out things that you're unhappy about? It's like, hang on, I need to get my calendar here. I've got to schedule in some time to be angry. Let's see right here. I'm going to be miserable. Ugh. Now I'm so let's talk about, about better. About that. Yeah, let's talk about something else. Let's back it up here. So <laughs> the next episode that you have on your list is episode 38. We're all <sighs> watching the Force Awakens trailer for the first time. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and this is with Paul Verhoeven, and it's, I, it's just so much fun. Wow. Oh my god. Oh. 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 
Yes! Yes! <laughs> Again! Again. <laughs> yeah! Oh my god. That, yes! That is the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Are you okay? Steele's crying. <laughs> I re-listening to this episode was a blast. And it's so funny is because even, even now, re-listening to this, listening to somebody else watch a trailer for a movie that I've now seen, you know, dozens of times, I still get really excited. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's infectious. It's very hard to not get sucked in. And it's it's just it's it's so funny. I mean, <laughs> the, the sounds that Steele makes when he's when he's watching this trailer make me laugh so much. And I always have to like double check if I'm listening to the trailer reactions to make sure that my headphones are in. But <laughs> Oh, there's Emily watching porn at work again. <laughs> I love how much Steel loves things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll say this, and you know, you've been able to hang out with Steel on several occasions now. His reactions to these things, there is nothing manufactured about it whatsoever. <laughs> it is for real. And like I watch him having fun with something and I'm envious that I don't think I've ever just thrown it all out with abandon quite like that. And it, what it reminds me of is so, so the last Jedi IMAX standups, not the column shaped ones that they had at the most theaters, but the big gigantic lit from the inside IMAX standups. I got them at my house. And when my little boy saw them, He's three and a half years old. He flipped his lid and was like running in place real fast. And he said, Daddy, the last Jedi. And like wouldn't stop. And <laughs> that it was like looking at a little Steel Saunders right there. Oh, oh my gosh. It was so cute. It was so cute. And I mean, I get that way more from like in the, the crying. That's me. As a matter of fact, somebody at work was making fun of me for it today. I said, look, I wish I wasn't like that. I wish I could talk about certain things without instantly getting choked up. But I can't. Oh, I'm, I'm a huge crier. Like, I cry so easily. And just, it can be, it can be stuff that I, it can be, it can be TV shows that I don't even like. But there just sometimes there'll be some like emotional component that just hits me in just the wrong way. Instant tears. Like <laughs> there are there are because I'm I'm also like really big into Doctor Who. There are episodes of Doctor Who that I I can't watch again. Like because even just like I'll be scrolling through and somebody will have tweeted a screen cap of it and I'm crying. <laughs> Uh, I'm that way with a particular episode of Futurama. 
called Jurassic Bark. Yes, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Jurassic Bark. Yep. It's the end where the dog has waited outside the pizza parlor every day until he grew old. God, I don't even. Why am I talking about that? <laughs> I, I was trying to tell my wife, Amanda, about I had watched the director in the Jedi. And I was telling her, you know, how profound it was to see like where these actors take themselves to be able to generate the emotions they need for these scenes. But then also you think about certain aspects of it to where in some of it, you're probably putting your own expectations on, but like there's a scene where Mark Hamill is watching the Jedi temple burn. And after he gets done, like he just collapses on the ground and just stays there for a while. They're done filming and he just, he has to stay down there and cry. And you, you know, you wonder if a part of it is just him lamenting the end of this character arc that has defined such a huge chunk of his career. And I'm trying to explain that to Amanda. She's home for lunch for work, right? And, and I'm like, and then, and then, and, he, and, he, and, he, and she, I can tell she's looking at me like, get a grip. Good Lord. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. It was just so beautiful. But, uh, well, speaking of crying, okay, let's talk about, yeah, you know what I'm going to say. The live call-in show, episode 16, Carrie Forever. That, yeah. So, there's something about that episode in particular that resonates with me for several reasons. And one of which, this is the first episode that I ever did the post-production work for, for Steel. Oh, man. He wanted to get it out immediately. He hit a home run with it. He, it couldn't have been more respectful, and it, but it couldn't have been more spot on. So tell me, tell me, how did that episode affect you personally? You know, it was... It was really hard, but I'm, I'm so, I'm so glad that he did it because I've never, I've never sort of experienced something quite like that. And this, in this sort of sharing of, of grief, um, you know, when, when you asked me to, to make a list of my episodes, I, I knew I wanted to talk about this one, but the other ones, like I listened back to the whole episode. This one, I I, I listened to to Steele's intro, and and then I I, I just I couldn't um, because it's it's so it's so raw. So we're here to celebrate and and commiserate each other as as a as a community as a Star Wars family about the passing of Carrie Fisher, a character that. The character of Princess Leia, it just means so much to so many people. I know I I tweeted this out before. I thank Carrie Fisher for teaching a five-year-old boy that girls were pretty awesome, and they could be, and they must be taken as much. And I only sort of thought about that when I was was talking to my wife, Jacqueline, earlier today. She obviously knew I was going to be very upset, so she gave me a call. And, yeah, it 
it sort of dawned on me in the conversation at, at how the Princess Leia character sort of shaped my view of females as, as a very young boy in, in quite a, a positive way. You know, as Star Wars fans, we celebrate the, the positive role models of, of, of Daisy Ridley's Ray and uh, Felicity Jones's Jin Erso. But I think Carrie Fisher's betrayal, and I'm not sure if anyone could do it quite like Carrie Fisher. In fact, I would say definitely not. You know, it, it, it shaped generations. It, it inspired women and, and young girls and, and, and for boys like me. It said, keep up the hell out of the way. Now, the woman, Carrie Fisher, and we're just so, so lucky that we had The Force Awakens to enjoy Carrie Fisher once more. Not so much, and I don't mean, and and like, you know, on the screen she was great, but just to get Carrie Fisher back like in the spotlight being Carrie Fisher, keeping, you know, PR assistants on their toes, making morning television hosts gasp with her frank humour, which I very much appreciated. And it's interesting. We love these characters so much, but it is when the actor behind the character lives up to and exceeds the expectations of the fan is when icons are made. And could have she done a better job? I don't think she could have, whether it was uh, to inspire women, to empower those that have mental health issues or um, substance abuse issues. She was there to open herself to the world to her struggle which of course allowed others to know that they were not alone which is so important when carrie passed away i i was sitting in my my office at work and i i was just hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Sobbing. And it hit me really hard in, in ways that I wasn't expecting it to. Because, I don't know, you know, like, celebrities, I've, I've, I really love and respect have, have passed away before. But there's something so, so special about, about Carrie. Um, I think, I think part of it is, as somebody who also struggles with with mental health issues she was she was so strong and so honest and so like brave and that was just like inspirational in ways that sort of um 
hard to to explain, but Steele, I I I I don't even know how he got through it. Quite frankly, I I wouldn't have been able to. Um, I I have never listened back to my own call onto the show. I can't imagine I was very coherent. But getting a chance to talk to other people about how important she was to me. Like, talk to these people who who all have shared her. It's not so weird to say, but have shared her, you know, that have this deep love for her. Um... I don't know. It was just, it was, it was really, it was really something pretty remarkable in terms of, of, of podcasting. Like I can't, I can't even think of anything that I would come close to comparing it to. It was, it was awake and it was something that I really, I really needed at that time. And I never, have felt like closer to what I sort of think of as my Star Wars family than I did that night. Yeah. Well, you know, because that, that was something that I know a lot of people ask themselves, why on earth am I so devastated by the passing of somebody who in reality I did not know at all? And to to realize that everybody else is feeling the same thing that you're feeling and that they understand, it was that really meant a lot. And because let's face it, she had a huge impact on all of us. And it's still being able to do that it strike while the iron was hot, so to speak, to 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 be there to do that with it being so fresh and so raw, it was, he did us a service by doing that. I think that's the nicest way I can put it. Yeah. Because it, like I almost going into that, I almost felt, I almost felt guilty about how upset I was. Like I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't have a right to be that upset about the passing of, of a stranger. And so, I don't know, it just, it, it made me feel like, like that it was okay that I was this upset. It was okay to be feeling the grief I was feeling. And I really, I really needed that. Exactly. Exactly. Oh man. Should have talked about this one last. <laughs> no. <laughs> shake it off. Shake it off. This is a really rough transition between this and the next yeah. one. Well, this, yeah. This next one is the exact <laughs> polar opposite of everything we just talked about. And, <laughs> and that was the Star Wars Celebration Orlando, the Making Star Wars Podcast Network live podcast mashup. Now, just a little quick blurb here. I ran sound at this event and listening to it after the fact, I it's, it was very stressful. 
I'm just going to tell you, this venue is not suited for this type of audio production. But by God, we worked it out. And uh, what makes this so cool is <laughs> our our friend Emily here wrote oh, this I fan fiction. Now I wish I hadn't picked it. I get so embarrassed even talking about it. Oh, stop it. <laughs> The enjoyment you're feeling right now is immeasurable, I'm sure. <laughs> the, so, so Emily wrote wrote this fan fiction piece that... Well, Emily, why don't you just tell us about it? Okay, so... Like Eric mentioned before, I had done an interview episode with Steel. And this was at um, L.A podcast festival and during during the live episode that he had done there it was a live reading of a erotic fan fiction um qui-gon and shmi skywalker and it was hilarious and so we recorded my episode after that like the next day and i'm like and i for reasons Passing my understanding later, I volunteered. I'm like, well, if you ever want to do this again, I'll I'll write one for you. And then I actually had to do it. And so for the party, I, I wrote a director Krennic Mon Mothma erotic tale. And then it was performed by actual people in front of an audience, which, thank goodness, I was not there for. Orson Krennic tossed and turned in his bed, unable to sleep. He was a man under extreme, nearly immeasurable pressures. After all, his beautiful Death Star had yet to be proven operational, and he knew that his Imperial Masters would be demanding a demonstration soon. And in the constant presence of that damnable Tarkin, it was enough to keep anyone from a good night's sleep. The bed creaked beneath him as he sat up with a sigh. For in truth, it was not the pressures of work that kept him from sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Oi, I lost my love! Krennic whispered softly to the empty room around him. A room as empty as his heart without the presence of his beautiful love. Oi, my love. Uh. Sounds throbbing. He repeated mournfully with a sigh that echoed down into the very depths of his soul. Shh. His eyes saw only darkness, but in his mind he saw her beautiful face, her pale skin, and her fiery hair. Are you doing that? <laughs> what do you think? I can't find the fire sound effect. I'm on the crackling wood. That was pretty much that was dead. Oh wait, I've got it. I was worth the wait. It's getting warm in here. So much. It had been over two years since he saw her, but their last meeting was forever etched on his heart. In the stillness of the night, he cast his thoughts back to the last magical moment to their final farewell. 
The night he closed his heart completely, he murmured to himself sadly, Oi, I lost my love. It was a special treat. I'll just say that. I I still I still don't think I can technically say that I've listened to the whole thing because I sort of listened to it with my hand like hovering above the um the fast forward button. You know, I don't know what it is that because I it's supposed to be bad. Like it's supposed to be every like terrible like cliche and this the really stupid euphemisms that I used like that's all intentional and yet somehow I still like want to like crawl inside of myself when when I actually hear anybody reading it it was a special time for me there's a picture I want to say it's on the Rogue One Army Facebook group it I think it's the cover photo. You can see me in there running sound and I do not look like I had fun at all, but I did. <laughs> and one of the high points for me was getting to meet Maud Garrett. I think she is an absolute delight. Oh, she's and wonderful. She's so funny and so quick witted and good looking as the day is long. And <laughs> it was really cool. To get to hand, and she was so funny doing that, doing the fan fiction read. I w- I do wish you had been there, Emily. That would have been something. Oh, I mean, I I would have liked to have been at celebration, and I would have liked to be in that party. I would have had to leave the room. But I, I have to say, I, I'm really proud because I made Steel laugh, and that makes me happy. Oh, you had the whole room in stitches. It was yeah, but I don't, I don't care about them. I care about Steel laughing because I just you know. You know, I've been listening to him on podcasts for years, and he has a certain laugh that he gets when he's like, like really, really laughing hard at something. And I'm like, that's that's what I wanted to do. And Mission I got that with the, I got that with the goth cat line, and that made me happy. Oh God! Yes, that was that was one of my favorites. Well, okay. So anyway, enough about me, but. <laughs> Let's talk about episode 160. And, you know, this pretty recent, The Suck Lord, this was so interesting. Like, I was, I mean, I expected it to be good, but I was blown away by how informative and just, like, what an interesting dude this this guy is. So tell me, what's your take on it? Yeah, this was really cool because this one... um in the episode, Steele mentions a couple of times hearing this this talk that the Suckord had given the night bef- like the night before they do this episode. And actually, I was I was at that with Steele because he had he had messaged me that afternoon, being like, "Hey, there's this art show. Do you want to go to it?" And I'm like, oh, "Okay, I guess." <laughs> and I I didn't think that I knew who the Suckord was when I actually looked at at pictures of some of his stuff. It's stuff I had I had seen before, but um, then like the talk he gave was just fascinating, and it's a lot of stuff that they end up talking about in the episode. And they're talking about sort of art and when when appropriation becomes art and how you sell that 
and the idea that when you're when you're doing this sort of appropriative like bootleg isn't really the right word which they get into the episode but for lack of a better one i'll use it here like when people are when people are buying this sort of bootleg art part of it is the experience of of buying an illicit item so you you go into this whole rigmarole of of making it seem like more of a crime than it is bootlegging is kind of it's like a bad word, but like the way you explained it was quite like sort of poetic and artistic. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I was able to convince you of that. I mean, there's the, the practice of appropriation, you know, is, is not new in any sort of form of art. You know, it's about uh, borrowing other works by other people and then sort of altering them or manipulating them some capacity and hopefully if you're successful making it your own and i just that's tends to be what i what i do i take pieces of star wars figures and other action figures and kit bash them and chop them up and you know recontextualize them and use them to serve my own ideas and my own fantasy life and because of the somewhat illicit nature of it with the you know copyright infringement and the sort of you know, questionable quality of some of the things and also being as how we're located in New York City and that there's a, there is a sort of performative um, aspect to, to acquiring these things. You know, when you come to some of these places where I operate, it doesn't, it looks a bit sinister. So it just seemed more appropriate to just call them bootlegs, give it a sort of, to sort of like take the pretentiousness off the concept of appropriation and just kind of call it what it is, which is just a, you're just a glorified rip-off artist, essentially. So that's, that's, that's where the bootlegging term came from. Well, no one wants to buy an appropriated figure, but a bootleg figure, that sounds exciting. Well, people, people like to commit crimes. People, <laughs> people like to commit crimes in the safety of their own home. They like to do transgressive things, and there's something appealing about buying something that's wrong or it's unofficial or it's unlicensed, especially for Star Wars fans, you know, like collecting Star Wars toys can be a bit of a, a square thing to do. It's, it, it can be boring. It's, 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 it's challenging going after, you know, some of the chase pieces and stuff like that, but it exists within a sort of safe space. And I think when people get tired of that, you know, it's like when people move from um, smoking weed to smoking crack, they, uh, they need they need more they need something more they need they need something to be something to be a bit dubious and diabolic and unquantifiable in a way and then they want to you know take a walk on the wild side if it were so when you get tired of buying regular stormtroopers and you want a a, a fake gay stormtrooper then you come see me and i i try to make it as as criminally minded as as i possibly can i love that episode like i think that's an episode that that more people should be listening to. I mean, just just because of the way that they, he talks about this, these subjects, and I liked how 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 open he was on his own like frustrations of of you know, even though he is now like successful and his his art sells really well and people you know people know him and he's very in this scene like really well known the the sort of the frustration and anger that it all comes from 
you know, from wanting to to work for Hasbro or wanting to work for Lucasfilm, like making Star Wars stuff, I thought was, I don't know, it just the conversation there was really something. Now, do you own any custom figures? I mean, not nothing like that. Like nothing that would be an art piece. Like I have some like bought off of Etsy stuff, but I mean, I don't know. I, it's something that like, I don't even, I don't even know. Like I'd love to get some of that stuff, but I also, I I don't know if I can like spend few to several hundred dollars on a, on a figure. Yeah, that's, that's tough to justify. It it really is. Of course, I do have a gigantic TIE fighter that was pretty pricey sitting right behind me, so it's I don't have a lot of room to talk. <laughs> if, like, okay, since we're talking about this, if you were just going to dream up your dream figure that doesn't exist, what would it be? I know that you don't have to pick, you know, Mendo, because there's some really good Mendo figures out there. Yeah, I do wish that the... Hot Toys Mendo that had originally been talked about had ever come to be. But I'll still like cross my fingers for that one at some point. But no, I am currently staring at like at least seven Mendos, so I can't I can't complain too much. I've got the Disney the Elite series. Yeah, that's a lot better than I expected it to be. Yeah, he's on my desk right now looking at me. He's giving me the eyeball. It's like he knows I'm getting ready to talk about him. <laughs> so so kind of the speaking of which, the culmination of all this, your your final mention here is episode 163 with one Mr. Ben Mendelson. So oh. okay. Yeah, so first oh. of all, I know that just knowing that this was going to happen you had to be just stoked out of your mind. But t- take us there when you're f- you're sitting down and you're going to listen to it. It's finally... Now, I know you you still let you hear a bit of it before he released it, right? Yeah. Like the first 20 minutes, I think. I, I was almost too excited to listen to it. I, I don't know if anybody else has this thing, but I, I don't know. I do this sometimes like last episodes of TV shows that I love or movies that I'm really looking forward to or, or like the last series in a book. I mean, the last book in a series that I really love where I'll get so, so, so excited for like the week leading up to it. And then I get it and I'm like, I can't, I'm too excited. And I have to pause. But then I listened to it and it was even, it was even better than I thought it was going to be because I know that, I know that Steele's really good at interviews, but like, I mean, Ben Mendelsohn is, you know, like a really like solid working actor with a really strong career right now. And so there, there was always a possibility that this was going to be more like, like sort of your typical press junket interview, which would be fine. I, I listened to lots of, Mendo's press junket interviews and I, I like them and they're enjoyable and I think Steele would have done a good job with that. But this this ended up feeling like just an episode of Steel Wars. And that was so cool. 
Yeah, I think that's what I like the best about it. And, you know, hearing Mendo geek out on Steel's collection and how much you find out he really was into Star Wars, that was that was a rare treat. I was not expecting that. But if, if what was your favorite moment of the interview? Um I mean any of the parts where they're talking about Krennic. And and I I mean it sounds weird to say this. I didn't I didn't realize quite how much thought that that Ben had given this character. But he obviously really had and and, and really knows this character really well and knows who he is. And and so when he was talking about things like, you know, how Orson and Galen came up together and were both true believers, and then Galen stops believing, but but Krennic still has that belief that this is the way forward, I thought was great. And and that of course it it Partially, I will admit, I chose this because it's the question I really, really wanted Steele to ask him. And that's when he asks about the little smile that he has on his face after he gets choked by Vader. One thing I have to ask you. You've had the run-in with Darth Vader. You've had the choke. Uh Uh-huh. Then afterwards, you had this really curious grin. Yeah, because I got him. That was, you got a rise out of him. Yeah, I think the, look, my, uh, my notion for, um, my notion for, for what, what goes on with Krennic is he's going to get this thing built, right? He's going to run it. Once he runs it, he becomes, in effect, way more powerful than he is right now. Moff. And I probably probably Vader too can see the move, and which is why they have to, which is why they do what they do. But I think there's, you know, I, I imagine it's something about the intensity of the situation and this and that and the other. Anyway, it's um, it's uh, it's a yeah, it's it's got more interesting possibilities i think than just being like oh oh ouch you know well one of the things that was so endearing about krennic that you brought to the role like he was he was such a no offense such a dick but he was so cool at it like it was like such a great anti-hero where you're like this is one of the most evil people in the galaxy but look at him go well i think you know look i, I mean i think that's one of the things about portrayals or or the way we think about you know in fiction um evil and bad people uh, are often enjoyable for an audience that's that's good um sometimes they're terrifying sometimes they're absolutely repulsive and you really want them you need to see them you know defeated and and you know i think krennic is is better in that sort of zone of course, on one hand, it does mean you're extremely good at your job. But do you ever worry why you're so good at portraying these people? No, 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 I don't. I think I, I no, I mean, I take on different roles and try and um, 
you just try and do them as, as you know well as you can and you try and remember that at the end of the day it's really all about an audience i mean it's all about an audience everything else can go and insert melbourne language there um <laughs> there were some hand gestures just done there that we would have yeah, to you censor and jump. they can go and jump and i was blown away by the answer oh yeah because you know that's something obviously like the first time I saw the movie, I like I clocked that moment straight away, and I'm like, "Oh, that's really interesting." But you know, I sort of had my own my own like head of what that was, and so his his answer there, I thought was was so much more that I expected him to say. Like I expected it to be like, "Oh, well, whatever," you know, just like casual like throwaway response, but it wasn't at all. Like this was really thought out and uh, and a calculated decision for that character, and it it makes me love Mendo even more as an actor. It makes me like Krennic more as a character. So so I thought that was that was great. We realize it's and I know that it it can be hard to understand, but the, the acting. It's a real craft. And people who are genuinely great at it are great at it because they approach it like that. And Ben Mendelsohn, man, he's the real deal. He took the character very seriously and put a ton of thought and effort into portraying the character of Krennic in the way that he he felt like it needed to be done. And to hear him talk about it and to, that he was passionate about the character, it wasn't just a gig, that that yeah. somehow makes it mean that much more to me. Well, yeah, especially, I think especially when you're dealing with, with genre film, that, that people can sometimes just sort of dismiss it and not really think of it as something that they have to give much thought to because it's just you know some silly adventure story and and mendo has definitely done you know like very serious really well regarded you know award nominated character dramas and he used apparently like the same approach for star wars and that i really respect yeah. Yeah. It definitely makes me appreciate the movie as a whole even more. Yeah. I I you know it it's just it's just I don't know it's so weird that this whole like like now I have his autograph like hanging on my wall. And I have yeah, a bunch of if, toys of him. And I wrote <laughs> stupid erotic fanfiction about him oh god that is the best part of this whole deal i mean all and it's because of like i would have i would have liked this character no matter what like it's totally my type of villain and i like ben mendelson as an actor but the way that that connected with Steel Wars and the sort of the whole like hashtag Mendo 
like phenomenon. It's just, I don't know, it, it makes me it makes me really happy. Well, you know, <laughs> I I put together a little sizzle clip for Steel to use whenever he mm-hmm. was promoting the the fact that this was coming. And well, let me just back this up a little bit. One episode that is one of my favorites that I kind of hope will get brought up today. I mentioned it earlier. Is episode one ten. With who's on that one? Who is on that one with Emily Lind? And you have some really interesting things to say about what you hope Star Wars has in store. <laughs> and then also some even more interesting things to say about how Mendo could contribute to that overall goodness. What are, what are you hoping for most in Star Wars? I want Star Wars to make me feel like a little kid remembering this thing that had a huge impact on me that I will love for the rest of my life. <laughs> oh, and if, like, Mendo could be shirtless or something, I would also oh, really like that. save it for your fan fiction. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny. I don't, I don't really remember anything else from that episode. (laughs) (laughs) The the only thing I remember is that last, the the last thing I said, partially because as soon as I said it, and it was just such a throwaway thing to say. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was true. It was a throwaway thing. The (laughs) gleam in Steele's eye when I said that, I'm just like, oh no, this is going to be a whole thing. Oh, I bet. I bet so. And and, and that that's what started it. Like in terms of in terms of like, you know, people tweeting me anytime there's right. any picture of Mendelssohn on the internet or anything like that, or like tagging me on Facebook, it's all because of that. Just because of me saying that I wanted to see him shirtless. It's <laughs> that was when. Like when that episode was coming out, I had been doing some uh, like promotional work for Steel on this this platform called Clamor. So I had 24 seconds to get to take the gist of everything you said. But like, I, here's what I felt like when that episode came out. Because a lot of times I'd ask Steel, "Hey, you know, is there anything in particular in this one that that's sticking out to you?" And I really got the Oh, you'll know vibe whenever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yes, sir. I'm on it, sir. I'll get it. You did not disappoint. And 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 in all joking aside, everybody listening to this, that is a great episode, period. Emily gave a great interview. She and Steele, he he asked the perfect questions and it was so interesting. So be sure to go and listen to it. Cause it really is good. And don't sell yourself short, Emily. It was fantastic. Okay. I might, you know, I never listened to it. And, and now that I've been, now that I've been editing my own podcast for a, a few months, I'm more okay with hearing my own voice. So I might, I might be able to listen to that one now. You definitely should. It's it's one of my favorites, and I'm not just telling you that because you're talking to me right now. Uh-huh. I, well, I mean, what do I have to lose? You already, we're practically done with the episode now. I can say whatever I want. 
But <laughs> hey, yeah, this is the part of the podcast where you tell me you secretly have hated me all along. Oh, we there's no way I'm not that good of an actor. There's no way I could pretend like I disliked you even for one second. Stop it. Aww. The uh, you're my favorite, just so you know. Oh, um, you're my favorite too. Oh, so oh. I'm, I'm, I should mention this at the beginning, but speaking of your podcast, tell everybody where they can check it out. It's good, by the way, peoples. It's good. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah, I do a podcast with my friend Brittany Brown, who I actually met through, well, haven't met in person, but met virtually through the Steel Wars live shows. Um, but uh, it's called the Canto Bite Dispatch. And you can find us on SoundCloud and Google Play and, you know, iTunes and all those places. You can find it on Twitter at CantoBitePod. We are fairly casual in our Star Wars knowledge, but very passionate about the things that we love. Well, it's that combination that makes it so fun to listen to. Because what I like about it is the uh, unapologetic aspect of it. And that's that. Well, it's seriously, it's so great. I mean, you can get caught up in the minutia of things, but then you forget about the, the emotional part that goes along with liking something. Being a huge fan of something to me doesn't equate to having all these crazy statistics memorized. It's being able to be in touch with how it makes you feel emotionally. That's what being a fan means to me. But well, Emily, I really appreciate you doing this. You're in this community, you're you're a big deal, and it's a real it's a real <laughs> privilege to be able to sit down and talk to you about this stuff. And uh hopefully sooner rather than later, I'll get to sit down and talk to you in person at some event somewhere. Um, I hope so. Thanks so much for having me on. I, I really enjoy listening to this. I think it's so much fun to just hear what has struck a chord with different people. Yeah, it really opens your eyes to like seeing it from a different point of view. And it's, it's cool because some of the episodes that I've felt like I was very well versed on when somebody would talk about it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I never thought about it from that perspective. So yeah, it's really cool. And I think that's how people are going to feel when they hear you talk about these episodes. I hope so. Well, there you go. I always have such a good time talking to Emily. She's awesome. Be sure to check out her podcast, The Candabite Dispatch. It is a really good show. And I hope that you'll go and check out the full-length version of each one of the episodes that we just talked about today. If you're a Patreon supporter and you would like to appear on Strother's Wars, just comment on the Patreon post for this episode and I'll get in touch with you. And if you're not a Patreon supporter, well, you can take care of that right now. Just go to patreon.com forward slash steel wars and for just three bucks a month, you can have access to the entire back catalog and it is going to be more podcasts than you know what to do with. And if you want to hear more about what I do, you can check me out every week on The Bad Motivators, a malfunctioning Star Wars podcast, and also on the Making Star Wars Podcast Network's very own The Sith List. Well, guys, it's been awesome. And until next time, I am out of here.
And may that force be with you. If you're like me and you want to check out as many quality voices in Star Wars fandom as possible, check out the Making Star Wars podcast network at makingstarwars.net. Not only is makingstarwars.net the home for the hottest news and rumors in the Star Wars universe, but they have also got a top-shelf podcast network. Now, this is podcasting. Rebel Girl, The Cantina Cast, Blue Harvest, The Rogue One, a podcast for winners. The Sith List, Podcast 2187, Tarkin's Top Shelf, The Idiot's Array, all available on iTunes or makingstarwars.net. Just hit the podcast network button. This podcast is part of the Planet Broadcasting Network. Visit planetbcasting.com for more podcasts from our great mates. I mean, if you want. It's up to you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.